0: Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, and you can find Union Street Hoops all over the internet. I want to jump right in. We've got a special guest here, Todd Eichau, the voice of the Crusaders, who I believe, you know, on Saturday Night Live, they have the five-time host club. You've got to be in the five-time guest club, if not more than that. Thank you again, Todd, for always taking time out of your day, to come in and hang out with us on Union Street Hoops. Love it.
1: Not much else going on. Yeah, what are we going to do? Like,
0: really, what are we going to do? Normally, at this time of the year, we would sit down and we would do the over-under. And uh, let's do it. Over-under. Does Valpo play a game this year?
1: (laughs) I think we'll play a game. Um, I'm not sure how many games. Uh, You know, you look at everything that's going on in sports especially college football, and it's amazing how many games just keep getting canceled. I always thought once the season got going um, that, yeah, yeah, maybe some players would test positive and then they just wouldn't play, And then, but now the outbreaks have been big enough that teams have had to cancel. So many games have been canceled. It seems like almost half the college football games uh, have been canceled. So how will it go in basketball when, again, you only have 13 scholarship players, uh, if you have four or five that end up getting it, those games are obviously going to have to get canceled. So it, I think even when we hear the finalized actual schedule and, and when we're starting, and you know, we've been told we're going to start November 25th, and now I'm not too sure that's even going to happen. Um, but throughout the course of the season... I think we're not going to play those game all every single game that's listed on the schedule.
0: And this is interesting because basketball, we're not used to this. Baseball, this happens all the time, not because of COVID, but a rainout. You know, I I'll be sitting in my office. I'll get an email Brian Schmack from an email basically say, "Oh, tomorrow we've added a game against Chicago State." You know, on less than 24 hours' notice, they'll they'll have another game because they want to get to as many games as possible. I don't quite know that we're going to be in that spot, but. There's a part of me that thinks that Valpo and Chicago State or Valpo and UIC might get to know each other real well this year. Yeah,
1: in fact, I know that Matt Lodick and uh, Greg Campy kind of have talked about a contingency. If games are canceled and and suddenly they each have an open game on the schedule, can we just fit in a game at some point? Um, so that those type of things probably are going to happen. Maybe games will be added uh, during the season. It is a... Uh, It's anybody's guess. I think it's the easiest way to say it. And what takes place, uh, the only thing which will determine that uh, is teams staying healthy. If teams can stay healthy, we're going to get in a lot of games. Um, If there's an outbreak uh, on a team, teams are going to go weeks without playing.
0: You see the Marquette basketball program, both their men's and women's basketball program, did 45 COVID tests. Two came back positive. They've got to shut the program down for two weeks. So they got to shut it down for two weeks. So now maybe they come back November 10th or something like that, or whatever that might be. Okay. Now, how do you, how do you ramp back up for practice? Now they, they're not going to start till the 25th, but let's say this happens. And this is something Matt Loddick talk, touched on on the Missouri Valley conference media day. He said, if we have to shut down for two weeks, we don't just play a game on the 15th day. We got to practice again. You know, we got to, you got to get your legs back and, and being on the shelf for two weeks doesn't mean you can go play a 40-minute game right away. So I, I th- we'll do an over-under thing at some point if, in fact, we feel like... I mean, because, you know, how can we even say over-under on the amount of three-pointers that Connor Barrett's going right. to hit this year if we don't even know how many games are going to be played, you know? Um, that said, I did want to bring you in and, and talk maybe about the 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 state of the 2020-2021 Crusaders. As, you know, we've... We 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 had such a fun ride in St. Louis. I loved broadcasting the games with you. You came back in May. We looked at the best players of the decade for Valpo, but now we we've turned the page and and Freeman Liberty's gone. Fizikis is out east, you know, doing what he's doing. I think Kaiser's dropping forty a game in a rec league in Indianapolis right now, and uh, which that's what Loddick told me that he dropped thirty eight yeah, yeah, a game, yeah. and uh, and suddenly now we're in a spot where. All these new these new guys are here. And this is odd because it's October twenty second and I have not met any of the new guys yeah, because that's interesting. Because I normally I would have normally I would have done interviews with them by now, we'd have been to practice, but I'm trying to keep my distance from these guys just as well, just because of, of protocols or whatever. Have you been over there? Have you seen them? What do you know about the Valpo basketball program as it is?
1: Yeah, I've been to two practices uh one of them i stayed for most of the practice Uh, i have talked to the coaches i've tried to at least stay a little bit informed with with what's going on um give it just kind of a recap of what i've heard so far uh ben Cricky has looked phenomenal uh i've heard things like right now he's our best overall player uh most improved gonna take a step forward uh, Donovan Clay, pretty much what you expected. Uh, he's second team preseason all-conference, and I think if we have a season, uh, he's going to have an all-conference uh, type year. Uh, of the newcomers, the most praise has gone for Sheldon Edwards. Uh, sounds like from the ability to score the basketball, he's going to be one of those Valpo kind of star players or, or the player you're going to look for. Uh, to be one of the leading scorers throughout his career uh, at Valpo. 42-inch uh, vertical, makes shots, can hit the three, can shoot on the move, just a, a true score. He's got to develop in all the other areas. Now he's a, he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, and over the years we've heard this about a lot of freshmen. They've got to learn how to defend. They've got to learn the angles. Mm-hmm. They've got to learn assignments, things like that. Um, you know. All the freshmen we hear are great kids, hard workers, um, but Sheldon Edwards is, is the one guy who's, who has kind of asserted himself as a guy who might come in as a freshman and start right away and be a double-digit scorer. Uh, it sounds like he was a real steal. He, he was not heavily recruited at all. We seem to hear this every single year about Valpo players. Uh, bring in guys who are not heavily recruited. Ben Crickey was another one of those guys. Donovan Clay had uh, very little recruiting until very late in his high school career. Um you gotta give credit to Matt Loddick and his staff for finding guys like this. Uh but I think Edward's is gonna come in and play a lot of minutes. Um Nick Robinson has played well of late in practice for Valpo. Um, you know, Malik McMillan, a returning starter. Uh Zion Morgan, a guy that we've heard has improved his play, and we'll see uh perhaps significant minutes. Um most recently this week, uh, Sigurd Lorang has had a couple really good practices, making shots. Um, it's going to be interesting. This is a team where, okay, you know that Crickie's going to be a big cog and you know Donovan is going to be a big cog. And then who's going to step up and make plays? Uh, and you've got like seven, eight, nine different guys who, game in, game out, may step up, may not. Aaron Gordon. Uh, you know, we saw a game last year. He had six pointers Will they have games like that this year coaching staff thinks yeah this is you know fifth year senior um you hope he'll be consistent throughout the course of the year there's a lot of guys like daniel Sackey, uh, a year ago beginning of the year great end of the year great in the middle not so great yeah so which daniel Sackey will be there uh we know from an emotional standpoint guys like Sackey and mcmillan are great leaders great teammates now they've got to have consistent, they're veteran players, consistent seasons for Valpo to have a, success, a successful season. I
0: want to, so the, the, uh, there's there's a couple points I want to ask you about here. And and before we get to the roster, uh, you did hit on something interesting about a lot of these guys have have not been heavily recruited. When's the, who's the last heavily recruited guy that Valpo got? Well, wow, that's
1: a great, um, well, they, they, they've got a guy that they beat out for a, a lot of Schools this year. Yeah. Uh, and the freshman from Milwaukee
0: um, who has played well also. C- Cameron Pelese? I'm not exactly well, sure. Well, I, I to- was
1: talking about Jake. Oh,
0: Agnosevic. Yeah.
1: O- yeah. Uh, and, and Jake is a guy who kind of fits the Valpo mold. We'll talk about this. I've I been mean, thinking about a lot of comparisons with him. I'm going to touch on this in a second. But Agnosevic is a guy who was pretty heavily recruited, Yeah, and Valpo ended up getting him.
0: And he's a guy that I think it goes beyond basketball for him. He's got a strong Lutheran background. He went to Sheboygan Lutheran yeah. just north of Milwaukee, same high school that Sam Decker went to, and uh, and uh, the guy that went on to Wisconsin and, and took them to the Final Four, beating Kentucky. Um, here's a guy that, uh, in talking a lot about him, is, is a guy that just... Has always been the tallest guy on the court. Has always been the best player on the court. I, I think that's the one that I'm the most fascinated to see. Uh, and I said this on the call. I did a thing with the Missouri Valley Conference beat reporters the other day. We're doing a thing now called Missouri Valley Beat, and you don't average forty points on accident. You know, I, I don't care who you're playing against. You don't average 40 points on accident. But as you said, with freshmen, it's all the other stuff.
1: You know, you if, you if you watch Jake on film, and a lot of Valpo fans probably did, you'd say, boy, he's just dominating over smaller guys. The one thing that's stuck out to the coaching staff so far is his ability to knock down three-point shots. And he's, he's in the mold of the type of player that Homer Drew and, and then even Bryce Drew loved to recruit uh, those stretch four guys, the guys 6'8", 6'9", 6'7", guys who you look at their body type and you would say, all right, they're guys who can score inside, like Ben Cricky. I mean, really similar body type to Ben Crickey. Uh, now, Ben is different than, I think, the guys that, that Homer and Bryce recruited because he's not really a knockdown three-point shooter. Now, later in the season last year, he started knockdown knock down shots. From front, we hear he's making shots all over the, the court right now. But Ben's a guy who's very polished inside. He's got great post moves, take you off the dribble. Uh, You know, I look back at Homer Drew had such great success on those big stretch four guys. Jason
0: Jenkins is a guy that comes to mind. Uh,
1: I mean, you can even go back further to uh, Councilman Casey Schmidt, who was, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, had that big, strong body, uh, 6'6". Who could play inside, but was a knockdown three-point shooter? And then you're right, Jason Jenkins, and even even Lou Bosch Barton played some four and was a great three-point shooter. Uh, obviously, more recently, Ryan Brokoff, Alec Peters. How about Sam Hanpa? Yeah, was that was that type of player? Uh, Valpo has had great success in finding ways to get those players who were elite three-point shooters, who were, who were very difficult matchups. Uh, and Jake seems to be in that same mold. Yes, he can score inside, but I think the one thing that's going to stick out is he's going to be able to stretch the defense by making shots. He's been Valpo's best three-point shooter over the last couple weeks in practice.
0: So point guard is a position, obviously, it, it's, it's what we start most conversations with. It feels like Saki would be the guy because of the experience, because of the late flourish at the end of last year. You would just I, – I, pictures that he's put out of, of his body transformation, the amount of muscle he's been putting on. But I also want to ask you, as, as we look at the five starting spots, it's clear that Donovan Clay is going to start. It's, I think it's clear that Ben Cricky is going to start. You're talking about maybe Sheldon Edwards Jr. possibly starting – Malik McMillan feels like he's a guy that might start. And then you've got all these other pieces that are out there. Is there a possibility that Donovan Clay starts at point guard this year? Yeah,
1: this is interesting. Um, There has been a lot of talk among the coaching staff about how do we formulate the lineup, and I think it will be a fluid situation, as it was for some part last year. remember John Kaiser didn't start the season last year as a starter. Uh, but by the end of the year, he was playing 35 minutes a game.
0: With two torn ligaments in yeah. to his ankle.
1: Yes. Um, if I had to bet on this, Daniel Sackey's going to start, uh, at least to start the season. But let's remember, uh, he did start 25 games a year ago, but he played his best basketball yeah. coming off the bench. Um, so, you know, that's not going to be lost in the coaches' minds. Uh, I think Nick Robinson can play the point guard spot. I think you can go with a bigger lineup where you start Nick, uh, maybe Sheldon, and Donovan. And Donovan's bringing the ball up some, and Nick's bringing the ball up some. Um, You know, how you start the game is not always as important how you finish the game. Um, You could start... Uh, Nick Robinson and Aaron Gordon in the backcourt together. And then at times still have Donovan Clay as the three-man bringing the ball up the court. There's a lot of ways you can do it. Um, I think the point guard minutes are really going to be spread out. Zion Morgan's going to play some minutes at the point. Maybe Sigurd Lorraine plays minutes at the point. Maybe Stevie Helm plays minutes at the point. All of this is possible.
0: It, it, It feels like an embarrassment of riches... Not really knowing how rich the riches are, you know, like I, I think back to I'm not comparing here, but I think back to that team that had Shane Hammock, Evictor Nickerson, Darian Walker, Tavon and all these pieces. And you just didn't know where all these minutes were going to come from. And I don't know that this group is there yet or if they'll ever get there, but it feels like a lot of moving pieces that. In, in some years, it's like, okay, these are our best five. We'll trot them out there. Here's the next three. That's our rotation. Here's a couple of guys that will get a spell of a, a minute or two here. But this feels like a complicated jigsaw puzzle to put together to figure out how you get to 200 minutes with all of these guys. There's 17 players on the roster. A couple of these, well, I mean, the walk-ons are, are not going to play much, but Steve Helm may play. And then, like, where does a guy like Connor Barrett come in, right? right. I mean, that's a, there's another guy who, by all accounts, has – Excellent athleticism, who can knock down some shots. He's he's not your typical freshman. He comes in as a prep school guy, much like Sheldon Edwards. And and I watched uh, an open gym earlier this year, and Connor Barrett looked outstanding out there.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, wh- where do you find minutes for guys like Connor Barrett? It, it's going to be difficult, to be honest with you. I, I think uh, Sheldon and Jake are, are certainly going to be in the rotation. Um and Matt Loddick's not going to play more than 10. He's just, yeah. not, he's just not going to. No coaches really do. Uh, maybe sometimes you'll stretch to 11 with one guy maybe getting six or seven minutes. Or, but what what's really the purpose of that? Um, so if you say, you know, Clay, McMillan, Cricky, Sackey, Robinson, Gordon, uh, Morgan, uh, you know, all those guys are going to play. We haven't even talked about Emile, who... who who has improved and, and probably will get some minutes in there as well. Um, you know how much does that leave for the freshman? And not that much, but Sheldon Edwards uh, is going to play.
0: We haven't even mentioned good news Capigal.
1: A, a great point. He's going to play. By the way, <laughs> good news is going to play. Uh, he's been one of their better players. Uh, you know, I talked to one of one of the assistant coaches. He says. Don't be surprised if good news doesn't start. We haven't even mentioned it. Kind of an oversight on our point. Uh, But good news, a guy who started his career at Kansas State, uh, was a top maybe 120 coming out of high school, uh, and now is is older and he's got a bigger body, and and, uh, he has played extremely well. I was impressed with him uh, in the one practice that I stayed for for when I watched them scrimmage. Um, He can make shots. He can defend. He can rebound. He does a little bit of everything. Uh, and really, he could end up starting at the three. And Donovan Clay ends up starting at the two. Uh, and then maybe Sheldon Edwards is the first guy off the bench. Uh, again, let's remember, there was a point last year where Nick Robinson was one of Alpo's best players. Uh, what if Nick Robinson had a, a healthy season all of last year? We wouldn't even be talking about this now because we'd say he's got to be in the rotation somewhere. Um it is, it is going to be an interesting kind of transformation throughout the course of the season, how things develop, injuries, COVID, so many things that it's good to have this type of depth, obviously. But keeping everybody happy is not going to be uh, easy when everybody is healthy because, as you said, there's only 200 minutes to go around.
0: Yeah, and that, that feels like a big challenge this year is, is I mean, everyone's going to want to eat to use a, a vernacular that is, or parlance that people use a lot. Like, and I just, I don't know where where it all comes from. Because you, you, you want to lean on guys like Saki and McMillan who have been in the program for a long time and then all these other, you know, all these other weapons that Valpo has. It, it, it feels like, it feels like this could be a, a special run. Valpo picked to finish eighth in the league. Um, your initial thoughts on seeing that?
1: Uh, I picked him higher. I can tell you that but I, I, I completely understand it. Um, and again, this is a vote among all the coaches and media people throughout the conference. Um, you know, Most of them don't know how good maybe Sheldon Edwards is going to end up being. Uh, most of them don't know how much Ben Cricky has improved. Uh, most of them don't even know that there's a guy named Good News on Valpo's <laughs> team who's going to be a, a, a contributor. Uh, most of them don't know that maybe Nick Robinson is healthy now and could have a, a big senior season. Um, you got a lot of pieces out there, and you've got to trust Matt Lottick can kind of put it together. By the end of last year, they had put it together and made that big run in the tournament, and, and they did it, you know, without Nick Robinson. So it wasn't even a 100% Valpo team at the end of the year, and they almost made the tournament. Um, I think they'll be higher than eighth, but, again, you look at the league, especially those top three or four teams, they're super talented and super experienced. Um, the games are going to be tough, and uh, you're going to have to win a lot of close games. Early on in the season last year, throughout the conference season, they didn't win a lot of close games. Late in the season, they were winning close games. Uh, it's going to be a similar feel. Uh Dave and always mocks me for saying it's always close in the valley. It's close in the valley a lot, I'll it tell is. you that. Yeah. And you've got to be able to win those close games, and hopefully that's where the veteran leadership will come through.
0: Something that's interesting that, that popped up uh, last week, I think, is uh, all of these players apparently are going to get an additional year of eligibility. And I'm not just talking about the seniors, Robinson, Gordon, McMillan, Morgan. Everybody here apparently is going to get additional years. This is an NCAA ruling that's come down. They did it with the fall athletes, volleyball and soccer and all that. And now they're doing it with with this. So um, one of the, the points of con- conversation in the Missouri Valley Conference media call was Porter Mosier saying that he didn't even want to talk about it with his guys because he wants them to have senior urgency, right? But a guy like Mac- Malik McMillan, who now very well could... This could be his junior part two yeah, year. You know, It's very strange because you, know, you wonder, you look at a guy like Zion Morgan or Aaron Gordon or Nick Robinson, here's three guys that are fifth-year players. I highly doubt they'd want to come back for year number six, particularly given that I imagine some of these guys want to try their hand at professional basketball. Malik is going to make money somewhere playing basketball, I'd imagine. Do you want to come back for an additional year of college? or do you, and, and delay the start of your professional earnings, it, it, then how do coaches handle this, right? Like, I, I, I'll say one thing I thought was interesting. Valpo signed a, uh, or I haven't signed him yet, but they got a verbal from a point guard in Canada who, when I interviewed him, he said, I can't wait to get there. I want to learn from Saki for a year and then I'll take over. Yeah. Well, now Saki could be here for two years, right? right. So just your initial thought on on again, we talk about a jigsaw puzzle. All the pieces on the board there. Of, 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 how do you think this will all play out?
1: Well, one thing which I don't think has been answered yet is what about the scholarship limits? Yeah. Um, will that vary from school to school? For instance, could the NCA say, "All right, you're up. You're now granted uh, 15 scholarships for this season. You have got to figure out how to how to do it. And what if you know you've got maybe then let's say 13 scholarship guys, everybody decides they want to come back and you've already gotten three verbals. Um, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, the NCA's to be honest, has opened up a can of worms with this. Um, probably maybe trying to be politically correct as they get bombasted, uh, for not being on the player's side so much. um, I w- I- I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Yeah, uh, and again, on, on any
0: level, on a coach's level, on a player's well, level. Well, you know, the other
1: thing is, uh, let's say you're recruited by a school where, perfect example, you're a point guard and you think, all right, well, Daniel Sackey uh, will be a senior my freshman year. Uh, maybe I play behind a senior for one year and then I can start for three years and then you find out he's going to be here for, t- he says, well, I plan on coming back for a fifth year and i that put you in a bad spot. Um, so the NCAA has done something which they feel like is helpful for the players, not getting the true college experience. They know some games are going to be canceled, uh, trying to do what's best for the athlete. And now they've opened up a can of worms where it's going to be very, very difficult for coaches and players to navigate through what's the easiest way to get through the next few seasons by throwing another wrench into the Situation.
0: Yeah, it, 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 I think it's going to be fascinating, you know, and, and we, you know, we people joke about how Cram, Cam Crutwig has been at Loyola forever because he, you know, made an impact as a freshman and has still been there. That's another one. And, and I saw a, a couple of people on Twitter right after this, like, oh, Crutwig's going to get another year. If you're Crutwig, like, don't you want to go make money?
1: I would be shocked if Crutwig comes back for another year. Um,
0: and I, I'd be shocked if and, a lot of these seniors came back. I mean,
1: Crutwig's so polished. What is. What is his purpose of coming back for a fifth year? Uh, You know, chances are he's not going to be an NBA player, but chances are he's going to make a lot of money overseas. So why would he come back for another year? It's not going to improve what he makes. You know, he's a guy who uh, is so polished, um, and it's not like uh, his stock is going to go up from year to year. What I'm saying is not like this superstar athlete who needs to get better as a basketball player. Yeah. That's not him. Those are the guys who need to come back for another year. Like, uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty actually is a great example. Here's a guy who's a phenomenal athlete, took a huge step forward as a basketball player, kind of tested the NBA waters, and was told, you need to develop more as a basketball player for one more year, and then we would reevaluate it. And that's a whole other situation. Will he ever play to Paul? I don't even think so. Uh, but... He's a guy who maybe was a year away from developing more as a basketball player and then perhaps being ready for the NBA. Crutwig's uh, not that type of guy. Yeah. He's sort of, he, he has sort of met his overall basketball abilities. Obviously, he's going to get better and better, but he's not going to take this huge leap forward because he's an athlete developing into a great basketball player. He's already a great basketball player.
0: Since we're on the topic Ham Crutwig, I want to ask here, Okay, so Northern Iowa picked to win the league, Loyola right behind them, and and I thought Northern Iowa got a, a, a few more first-place votes than I thought they'd get over Loyola, but I knew those two teams would be one and two. Uh, if you're buying stock in either Northern Iowa or Loyola this year, where are you putting your stock?
1: Well, I think they're about even, to be honest with you. Um, I voted Northern Iowa first, um, but I could have easily voted Loyola. I had to vote one of them, uh, and I looked... Over both of their rosters, I love what Loyola has coming back. Uh, you know, I, I love their younger pieces, uh, and really, they're probably their best young player didn't even play last year. Cooper Kafis, uh, yeah. Um, so you bring him back. Uh, obviously, Marquise Kennedy in the in the conference tournament was one of the best guards. Uh, Williamson's a solid veteran, and Kruppwig's a solid veteran, and it's a great mix of players. Um, but A.J. Green's the best player in the league. And a lot of times, a best player in the league can really carry a team. And he's got good pieces around him. Fife and Burhau are all-conference caliber players as well. I think they're a little bit more talented. A little bit more talented. I almost like the makeup of Loyola a little better. But maybe what sets them apart is A.J. Green can score at any time. He's going to win a lot of close games. Uh, and because of that, I give them a slight edge and I voted them first and, and think uh, both teams are probably top 50 teams, I think would be fair to yeah. say, uh, as long as they stay healthy.
0: So Bradley is a team that uh, m- makes the NCAA tournament last year, beating Valpo in the title game. They've made it the last two years. They lose their star point guard, Daryl Brown, who I think a lot of people are like, oh, Bradley's being overlooked. Bradley's being That's a big loss. It feels like a big loss, but Elijah Childs, when healthy, is in the conversation among the best players in the league. He goes right up there with A.J. Green and and Cam Crutwig. And they have
1: other good players too, Paul. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Bradley won, uh, but they would appear to be overall a notch below. uh, Remember, they had a great year when Childs missed a chunk of the season, uh, but we saw him in the conference tournament. He was great. a lot of people take shots at Brian Wardle, understandably so. But the one thing you cannot deny: his teams come ready to play. They're well prepared. They're difficult to defend against. Um, you know, once the game tips off, uh, it's hard to really fault Brian Wardle. Uh, he's really a, as good as any coach in this league at getting the most out of his talent. Uh, I think we saw it at Green Bay, and we've seen it so far since Valpo's been in the league for three years, what he's done at Bradley.
0: Indiana State was picked to finish fourth. Tyreek Key is still around. He's, I feel like we've been talking about him for a long time. Uh, they've got a lot of good talent on that team, a team that flamed out of the, the Valley Tournament. They were the third seed. They lost to Missouri State. which We all, we all kind of thought that Valpo might get another shot at Indiana State, um, but uh, Missouri State ended up pulling that game out.
1: And I, I, I want to say I think like teams picked four through eight are all pretty even, yeah, to I be agree. honest with you. So you,
0: you think there's a line between Bradley and Indiana State there?
1: I, I, do, I think without question that the top three are pretty clear. I did not vote Indiana State fourth. Um, I think Tyreek Key is a tremendous basketball player, uh, but there's a drop-off after that on that roster. Um, They, I think they're middle of the pack. Just like, you know, Southern Illinois, uh, they've got the great player in Damascus. Then there's a drop-off. You know, people probably look at Valpo and they go, Donovan Clay, second-team all-conference, could end up being a first-team all-conference player. He's an elite player, but then there's kind of a drop-off. So I think there's a group of teams. Missouri State is in there as well. Gage Prim, prim, and then uh, kind of a drop-off. Right. Um, so, you know, each of those teams have, have a guy that could be a first team all conference player, clearly. Uh, and, you know, I, I tell you what, the, 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 um, the Drake team is pretty talented. See, they uh, were picked
0: I, to finish seventh and I would have put them fourth.
1: I actually did vote them fourth. See, yeah, that's I where vote, I would have put I them too. There. Yeah, I, I voted them fourth. Um, I think they, they've got, as far as true point guards, Roman Penn's the best in the league. Without question. Um, and then they've got still some shooters there surrounding him. Uh, I think if Robbins had come back, then you'd put them in the top three. Yeah. Um, but I think Penn is good enough where that team is very, very talented. Uh,
0: DJ Wilkins is on that team. Yeah. Tramel Murphy is back this year. Right. They, they get Tank Hemphill, who played at Green Bay, who transferred in. These are all region guys. And uh, – and that's it. That's going to be a fun team to watch. And I and you want to talk about a coach who gets a lot out of his players. I think Devries uh, Drake is a, is a good coach. I,
1: I agree. I, I I agree. And I think those four through eight, you can you know game in game out. They're all going to play each other. Hopefully, a lot <laughs> of close games between those teams. Who wins those close games? It was almost exactly as it was a year ago. Uh, you know. Illinois State and Evansville, they don't appear like they've done enough that they're going to move out of being the bottom two teams. They could, certainly. Illinois State for sure could. Uh, but it doesn't look like they've done enough to improve their situation where they can come out of there, and those teams from 4 to 8 are going to play a ton of close games uh, week in, week out. You win those games, you, you finish up in the upper half, you don't. You end up like Valpo, and you got to play on the first day of the conference tournament.
0: I think it's going to be real exciting if, in fact, it happens the way that, it, you know, we have it planned in terms of, you know, let's get through the non-conference. Everyone plays five or six games in the non-conference and then get to conference play. It, uh, it feels like it's going to be fun. Um, the non-conference schedule for Valpo is, is frenetic. It's changing. There was supposed to be a tournament in, in Nashville. That's off now. There's supposed to be a game at Vanderbilt. Who knows? Charlotte was supposed to come here. Not sure if that's happening. There's been games on and off the schedule and all of that. Um I won't even put you in the uncomfortable spot of asking you what you know, but I mean, I I just I I just hope there's games, right? Like <laughs> I feel like I feel like we need some good news in the world. Well, and,
1: <laughs> we'd be getting ready to play next week if, if everything was back to normal. So already we know it's not going to be normal. I mean, at least for, from from the standpoint of when we're starting. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I'll be on the road at all. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a that's a, that's a whole other thing which you haven't even touched on. Um, there's a good chance most schools will not be bringing road radio, um, and I'm not, you know, breaking any news, but this is, I assume, a lot of people have assumed this. Uh, you know, fortunately in the valley, um, every game is on ESPN three or ESPN plus. Um,
0: When's the last Valpo game you missed?
1: was 2000.
0: I mean, it had to been when, when you were opening yeah. the restaurant, yeah. and, and Tim Harwood and I called the games. I yeah. Mean, there was a tournament at Arizona. I
1: think I missed four games that season. Yeah. So that was 2000. Two, um,
0: the fall of 01 was the Arizona tournament, and I don't yeah. think you went to that. 2000, 2001. We yeah, just 2000, got back from Hawaii. It was and the then.
1: 2000, 2001 season. You're, you're correct. I, I think I missed four games that year. I think that was it. Um, and those are pretty much the only four games i think i've missed like ever in In 29 years so uh so we'll we'll see (laughs) nothing nothing is for sure um i'll definitely be doing some games i'll definitely be doing some valpo sporting events um i think everything is just like the season it is fluid uh, I, I
0: think if, if, if we're not on the road for games, we'll just sit down in front of a microphone while we watch ESPN 3 well, and do our own know, running commentary. That, that,
1: that, that's actually another possibility. Uh, you know, you hear stories about how people are uh, calling games, uh, even national games, uh, from their house. Uh, you know, I, I think Dan Schulman's doing the ESPN Radio World Series games. Uh, from a studio in Toronto. Now think about it. if anybody ever the World Series, You got the guy <laughs> doing the games on ESPN Radio uh, from Canada. From Canada, uh, when the games are do, taking place in Texas. So you hey, can, let's keep everything great. This you, you, is amazing. You, you, <laughs> you've got to figure out a way to uh, you know get those games on the air one way or another, and um, you know, Valpo games will be broadcasted. I can promise you that. How? Uh, I don't think anything has been 100% determined, but uh, the ESPN3 and ESPN Plus broadcasts, uh, we've been told, will go on uh, as normal.
0: Todd, I want to thank you for coming in here. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe do this again as we, if, if we actually find out there's actually some semblance of a uh, season coming, which I'm sure there will at some point, uh, but uh, thrilled to have you back here, and, and I know that. I speak for both of us when I say we just want games. We, we just, just want
1: games. We we really want to be the ability to do the over unders. Yeah, so that's so really so it.
0: <laughs> you know, the gambling so side of us wants to be able to set over unders right now. Um over under 0.5 how many forty point games Jacob Agnostivic has this year. I'm
1: gonna go under on that. <laughs>
0: All right, Todd, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Union Street Hoops, everybody. We'll be back, uh, you know, whenever we get some more news about what's going on with Valpo basketball in the 2020-2021 season. Thanks for listening, everybody.